Well, first, uh, a word to the younger ones among us. Um, imagine, you have to imagine this, you get a brand new bicycle and it's just the size and the color that you want. And it has the fancy seat and the fancy horn and all the things that you want on it as well. And it's yours. And you take it out and you ride it and you're having the time of your life. Can you imagine that part so far? Yeah. And then you fall off the bike and you scrape your arm and you scrape your knees and oh well, now everything's different, isn't it? No. Yeah. It's a little bit like the story that we had in our gospel lesson. Jesus was baptized by John. It was a lovely, wonderful, glorious moment in his life. And everybody was there, and he felt good, and John the Baptist felt good. And this voice from heaven came and said, You are my beloved. With you I am well pleased. It was a lovely and wonderful time for Jesus. And then the story says, immediately after that, the Spirit of God drove Jesus into the wilderness, and he had to be there for 40 days. And can you imagine what a wilderness is like? It's kind of like a desert, I would think. Not a whole lot there no shelter really, and nothing to eat, and maybe no water, and maybe cactus, so thorny things, not a lot of shade, so hot sun during the day, cold nights. So Jesus was led to the wilderness. So it was kind of like you have this beautiful bike and you fall off. Well, you have this wonderful moment in baptism, and now you're in the wilderness. Oh, my. So that's a little bit of an important lesson for all of us to learn, is that life isn't always the wonderful moments, right? It's a mixture between the wonderful things, and there are many of them, but yet sometimes we have to struggle. We have this wilderness experience where we have to face things we don't like, where we get sick, or we have these incredible temptations to do things that are wrong, and we struggle on the inside with what's right and what's wrong and what to do and what not to do. And so that was the image that the picture that the gospel lesson painted today that sometimes we have to struggle. But in the middle of the wilderness, in the middle of the struggling, there are some good signs if we just look around. So number one is the gospel said that the angels were there and they ministered to him. And I'm going to be talking a lot more about the angels in my sermon so I won't say much more. But the other thing that intrigues me about this story is that in the wilderness, there were wild beasts. Hmm. 
I wonder what those wild beasts were. What kind of wild beasts live in the wilderness? Snakes, maybe. What, what else do you think that lives in the desert? Some wild beasts. Warthogs. War, yeah, warthogs. Warthogs are normally in the forest. Geckos, lizards, maybe. Uh, bugs, a lot of bugs, maybe. Well, it was interesting when we translated these words into English. I think the people who did the translating kind of exaggerated a little bit when they said wild beasts. It makes it sound so scary. What they really meant in the original language was just small critters. So it could have been like cuddly little things, kind of like if you have pets. Sometimes our pets, you know, they can be mean sometimes to strangers or if they're scared, but to us, we know them and they love us and they like us and they, they sit in our lap and they give us a lot of comfort. Sometimes when we're having a bad day, it's kind of nice to have a pet on your lap if you have one. And if you don't have one, it's kind of nice to have a stuffed animal that is just as comforting to you as a pet might be. And I have a hunch that that's really what this gospel lesson is saying, that Jesus was in the wilderness. He was going through a tough time, but he had cute, cuddly critters, little animals to remind him, oh, if they can live in the wilderness, so can I. And they're here to be with me and maybe even to protect me and not to eat me like it sounds when we first read it. They're there to protect him and to show him that he's not alone. And then the angels were there. And like I say, I'm going to talk a lot more about the angels in a minute, too. So the lesson for all of us is that when things don't go our way, when we're struggling, when we're sad, when we're lonely, when we're struggling on the inside because we don't like something and we have to work through it and we have to learn from it and so on, there are always people around us that are there to support us. There are cuddly little animals maybe that can give us some love and some support. There are angels that remind us that God is with us no matter what we face. And so we don't ever go into the wilderness alone, do we? We always go with support and with God. And that's what I think the message is that we want to learn today. So this is my prayer, gracious and loving God. There are times when we struggle, like being in the wilderness all alone, but we know that you're there. We know that your angels are there. We know that there are things giving us signs of hope, and we ask that you would help us always to come out of our wilderness experiences stronger and better and more connected to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
As I mentioned, we're going to be talking about angels because the gospel lesson today says there were angels in the wilderness, and it's important for us to remember that. Interesting, after the same spirit descended on Jesus at his baptism like a dove, he turned into a dive bomber almost, and he drove Jesus out into the desert, into the wilderness, and there were angels, along with Satan and these wild beasts, or now I think of them more as special cuddly critters, and everything else that one finds in the desert. Heat that burns your skin, thirst that makes your tongue stick to the roof of your mouth, plants crowned with thorns, and angels who ministered to Jesus. It's important to remember those angels as we hear again this well-known story that usually pops up on the first Sunday of Lent. They are easy to overlook. In fact, we usually do overlook them. If you do an internet search or you look through commentaries on this passage, Two themes come up usually, temptation, because that's kind of what a wilderness experience is like. In the wilderness, we're sometimes overwhelmed by our temptations, and we know that's why Satan was in the wilderness as well. And repentance, we come to terms with things about ourselves and about the things that we face in our life, and both are incredibly important themes in this first Sunday in Lent. But the angels are also there, and I think that's another important theme. Mark remembered them. In this lean gospel, it's the shortest of all of the gospels, Mark included the angels that Jesus met in this lonely sojourn on the other side of the Jordan. In Luke's version of the same story, he doesn't even mention the angels. In Matthew's gospel, the angels only show up at the end. But in Mark, it appears as if they're there the whole time, for the whole 40 days. It's not as if Mark had a thing for angels. He doesn't, really. Other than this story about Jesus in the wilderness, angels seldom show up in Mark's gospel. And when they do, they're simply a part of God's royal court. They're not down on earth helping people. Unlike Luke's gospel, Mark records no encounter between Mary and the angel Gabriel or the angels appearing to the shepherds to announce to them the birth of Jesus. Mark leaves out Matthew's telling Joseph, uh, having the angel tell Joseph not to be afraid and take Mary as his wife, or whispering in his ear to take his family and flee to Egypt. In Mark, there's no angel who strengthens Jesus in Gethsemane. And it's not clear in Mark's gospel if it was an angel that the women met at the tomb or just a young man dressed in white. So again, Mark uh, does include angels helping Jesus in the wilderness. And because he doesn't gush over them all the time, 
in the rest of his gospel, it's important for us to note that part. To do so doesn't disregard the temptations of Satan or Satan himself that Jesus confronted in those 40 days, nor does it negate Lent's call to repentance, to acknowledge our own temptations and our struggle with our own demons. Certainly, we need to be honest about the trials and temptations that we face and acknowledge the trials and temptations that Jesus faced in the wilderness as well. Indeed, all of Lent is a time for us to do that. But it's also a time for us to remember the angels in his wilderness experience and in ours. And to remember, as Mark does, that they were there for him from the very beginning throughout this 40-day journey, just as God has been with God's, with the ancestors of Jesus um, in their 40-year desert journey in the wilderness. And just as God promises to be with you and with me in all the lonely desert places of our lives. Lent can be a time to take stock of our lives, to come clean about the things that tempt us and the things that scare us. Part of our Lenten discipline is to acknowledge, in the words of the old prayer, the harm that we have done and the good we have left undone. Or in the words of step 10 of every 12-step program, to do a fearless moral inventory. But I also invite us to do another Lenten inventory, and that's an accounting of the angels that we have known and loved and who have loved us in the wilderness times of our own lives. And to remember, as Mark remembered, those angels that show up when we're tired, when we're thirsty, when we're afraid, when we're surrounded by wild beasts, just as they did for Jesus. Our wilderness angels probably don't look like how we think angels should look. There are probably, for our angels, no white robes, no rustling wings. Instead, they can resemble the middle school teacher who believed in us when we couldn't believe in ourselves, or the coach who gave us a chance to play even though we weren't very good. Maybe one of your angels is a colleague at work who has your back when times are tough for you, or someone who's listened to your fears and grief after a relationship ended. Sometimes our wilderness angels are the people who accept our apologies when we have hurt them, and the people who remind us that there is more grace in God. There is more grace in God than there is sin in us. And sometimes our angels are simply the people who are willing to walk with us through our wilderness and desert experiences. 
I have a friend, Bill, who tells his story this way. He was the youngest of three children. And when he was in sixth grade, and this was in the early 1960s, his father began to manifest signs that turned out to be a severe mental illness, probably schizophrenia. And the day before Bill's 14th birthday, his father was committed to the state hospital. And given the stigma that surrounded mental illness, neither his mother nor his grandparents wanted anyone to know what had happened. The family story was simply that his father was away on business. And silence around his father's illness and hospitalization only increased my friend's fears. In addition, because there were so many jokes about people who were mentally ill back then and places like the state hospital, calling it the loony bin and so on, would make Bill very uncomfortable. So he kept his mouth shut. None of his teachers, not their pastor, none of his friends knew the situation. The one exception was Mr. Moore, who was his 4-H leader and a trusted family friend. Bill never talked with him directly about his dad, but he knew that Mr. Moore somehow knew what had happened. And that made a difference, Bill said. The week before his dad's birthday, Bill's mother told him that she wanted him and his sisters to go to the state hospital with her and celebrate that birthday. Bill was terrified because he had no idea what to expect, either from his father or from the other patients or from the whole setting of being in a mental institution. All he knew was the stories that he had heard about the maniacs and the other crazy people who were there. It was the 1960s after all. So he dreaded walking through the hospital gate. He told his mother he wouldn't go. He was ashamed of his father and ashamed of himself for feeling that way. But his mother insisted that he go. He dug in his heels. She dug in her heels even stronger. And finally, she said to him, if you want to, you can take somebody with you. So he thought of Mr. Moore and his 4-H leader agreed to go. My friend said it was like a gift from God, God going through the hospital gates, seeing my father for the first time in weeks. He said all of it was scary, but God was there with him, he said, because having Mr. Moore along made a difference. He knew Mr. Moore knew what to say and what to do. He simply gave his father a big hug, teased him about getting old and fat. He shared some stories about all the funny things that he and, his, and Bill's dad had done together when they were kids. Um, and Mr. Moore got Bill's father to talk to Bill and his sisters about school, about their 4-H projects, and it really released the tension. In fact, Bill says, we stayed until visiting hours were over, and it was actually hard for them to leave, which surprised them because everybody dreaded it so much. But as 
they walked out, Bill says, they were no longer afraid. Having Mr. Moore there made it seem normal, like they were sitting around the kitchen table at home and not in a visitor's room at the state hospital. And he made Bill and his sisters and mother feel normal too. That his dad was still his dad, his family was still his family, even though he was dealing with a mental health issue. Mr. Moore wasn't anyone special, Bill will say. He wasn't trained in psychiatry or pastoral counseling. He was just a friend who was willing to walk through those hospital gates with that family and sit and eat birthday cake and talk with my dad. So Lent begins with Jesus' 40-day journey into the wilderness, where according to Mark, he was tempted by Satan, was with wild beasts. Our Lenten journey also leads us into such wilderness times and places. Maybe they're even difficult for us to talk about or to think about or to deal with. Uh, they are in our own lives, certainly. They're in our world around us. It can be a hard journey filled with fearsome things, not the least of which are our own failings and shortcomings and the things we've done and the unresolved issues. And all of these things can get the best of us. In our own wilderness of Lent, we can feel beset by the wild beasts of despair and regret. But even in such a time, don't forget about all the angels in the wilderness. Mark didn't, my friend Bill didn't, and neither should we. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan. He was with wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. Even in the wilderness, according to Mark, the angels got the last word. May that be true for us as we begin and continue on our Lenten journey through the wilderness into that moment when we can celebrate the resurrection. Thanks be to God. Amen.